0: based experience on love. Bad. Bad. bad, 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 and life-based experience on love. Welcome to the Pum Pum Chronicles. I am your host, Badass Jones, offering personal advice and life-based experience on love, sex, Relationships, intimacy, with a little Jamaican flair. Welcome to the Pom Pom Chronicles. Greetings, 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 and welcome, Pum Pum Bless up yourselves. This is the Pum Pum Chronicles podcast, and I, of course, am your host, AJ Badass Jones. You can find me on my social media platforms on Instagram and Twitter, at the Pum Pum Chronicles, and you can also follow my personal page, badass underscore jones underscore, also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, on the, the Badass Jones, you get more of my personality, personality, and then, of course, the podcast page. I have phenomenal guests like the one that I have today. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do some on one of two ways you can either hit the call-in line which is 320-270-1086 leave me a message send me a text or you can send me an email uh and that is the pump pum chronicles at gmail.com you can find the podcast on all platforms where podcasts can be found including but not limited to Amazon uh spotify and apple iTunes so My guest today, you've heard her voice before, taken in her words of wisdom, uh, you know, and and the greatness that she brings. We have again with us today, the phenomenal sex educator and perinatal intimacy coach, Michelle Francis Smith. Welcome, darling. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh my gosh. So glad to be back again. Thank you
1: again for the warm welcome. Love having these conversations with you. Love, love, love them.
0: So, um, I appreciate you coming back and, and you know, talking to me, um, you know, giving words of wisdom and advice and, and you know, just insight to the listeners, you know, individuals who maybe have had questions that they weren't able to or felt comfortable in asking, so... Um, you know the, the the bits and pieces and the information that you're giving out. So grateful and so appreciative. And the series of conversations that we're doing around um, perinatal intimacy, reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with your partner, just valuable. I, I you know when we got offline, I said to you like you're just you're amazing like you're magical <laughs> you're a fucking rock star like <laughs> you are a rock star because you're you're allowing us to delve into things that people may feel uncomfortable asking mm-hmm, and yeah. so it gives them the opportunity to learn and ask the questions within themselves without having to ask the question out loud hopefully that makes, that makes sense right
1: It does make sense. And I love that you would sort of just point that out. I mean, magic knows magic, right? Magic connects magic. So you are all of that and then some, and it's my honor to be back talking to you, but that you validate that this is something worthwhile. This is something that people are looking for. I definitely know it was for me and it's great to be able to provide this space, but also provide this service to people going through the perinatal cycle.
0: Listen, I I I I want for our children to mm. not have this barrier. I want for other people to not have this barrier. And I know like for mm-hmm. us, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to have these kind of conversations with our elders and just even publicly no one was talking about these things publicly. And if you did, you were some kind of a, a slut or some kind of a whore or, or you were loose or you were forced ripe or something. No, these are natural things that happen. It's just people have embarrassment around talking about these things. And I'm so happy that neither one of us, me nor you, have mm. no problem talking about pum <laughs> (laughs) having (laughs) sex and and all these things so I think these are great conversations and I know that it's valued
1: yes I thank you for even bringing up the generational part of it too you know even how I'm approaching motherhood and parenting because as I mentioned before my youngest is almost 15 my oldest is 21 and I speak to my girls about one the work that I'm doing but also like how does this show up in their lives speaking with my youngest now about her pleasure about that it's her birthright that she should yes. access it and learn what pleasure means to her before alongside integrating other people which is not a conversation I can say that I had with my mother and not yes. because she wouldn't have had it if I initiated it. But again, the embarrassment that usually comes, the shame that usually comes, especially as you mentioned, growing up in Caribbean homes and mm-hmm. even religious backgrounds and stuff like yes. that impact you, we wouldn't have been the ones to say to our Jamaican parents, <laughs> can we talk about say what or Girl, I could barely ask my mother about, about a period. Budget. Right, like it just, it just wasn't the thing So breaking that those barriers Changing the narrative Opening this wide up So that they're accessing and they're also having the conversations And that's exactly
0: why I am here For my perinatal pleasure clients And I love that But before we get into all of that Give the people the background deets On who you are, where they can okay. find you And the you know what it is that you do In all your phenomenal glory
1: Absolutely, so first of all If you want to connect with me Hit me up on Instagram at perinatalpleasurecoach. And as AJ said, this is Michelle Francis Smith. I'm a sex educator and perinatal pleasure intimacy coach. I'm also a perinatal massage therapist and I'm also a doula. I'm in the Toronto area, but I do work with people outside of my local area. You can access me online. We can do work together that way in small groups, couples, and one-on-one. My offering and the services that I do are very somatic practice-based, so very body-based. And I combine my knowledge of massage therapy, body work, coaching, um, the reproductive process because I am a doula, uh, pregnancy, grief, loss, um, in a trauma-informed, healing-centered lens. Uh, I'm also an educator, so I teach. I'm a professor in in the field of massage therapy, and I'm still practicing massage. So that's just a little bit about me and what I'm up to.
0: So how did you get into this work? Like, what brought you into Mm -hmm. this work, and what has your evolutionary process been like?
1: Okay, so it really did start back, now when I really think about it, Um, it started back when I was pregnant, and I... So this was 22 years ago when I was pregnant and in my first massage therapy job, just graduated massage therapy school and was receiving a lot of pregnancy massage and made the decision that I wanted to specialize my practice working with pregnant and postpartum women through their cycles. I was also so, pregnant- sorry.
0: So wait, you yourself were receiving perinatal massage?
1: Yes, so I'm like in my I'm actually pregnant I've finished massage school And I'm now getting a lot of pregnancy massage I had learned school Just the, the bit that they offer at that time And then now To be able to work confidently and comfortably in my pregnant ever-changing body i was getting a lot of pregnancy massage and when i was doing that it really reinforced to me how beneficial useful and necessary it was to have a good quality of life pregnant life uh, and for me to physically work, so I started to focus my energy into creating a practice that would create safety for pregnant people, would um, you know promote wellness, confidence, and just have people thrive during their pregnancy and postpartum. So that was like the first iteration from a professional perspective. On my personal journey, being pregnant, I really had no one to speak about sex education with. So I all the myths that exist were there for me and I didn't have anyone to bounce them off of and was embarrassed to even bring them up I had a huge increase in my sex drive which was already quite high before I was pregnant and I felt very much alone I was embarrassed by it I was ashamed by it I was trying to hide it when I was dodging in and out of the the porn shops um the video shops uh all that and um I wanted someone like me who was educated Mm
2: -hmm.
1: open honest didn't make me feel stupid, embarrassed to talk to about what I was going through in my mind and in my body and in my relationship
0: as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking back, like, you know, we're talking about coming from Caribbean backgrounds or growing up in religious households. And, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, for certain, I knew that I wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that whenever I got to the point of having um, children... That I wasn't going to be like my parents, where they couldn't ask me anything, because when I think about the amount of things that we were misinformed about, like I remember back in the day, and this is just to, to date myself to say how old I am. I remember hearing things like if you if you've had sex with no condom, um, shake a bottle of coke and put it up into your your pom pom and oh let it spray, and God. it'll wash out your walls.
2: Wow. wow! Or
0: wow. Yes. using saran wrap uh, or like a plastic bag is a good su- substitution for. Um, a condom or just even crazy things like, you know, uh, Keys. Keys told me like, you know, when her, when her grandmother got pregnant, Mm -hmm. she didn't even know what pregnancy was. Nobody had talked to her. She thought that, you know, in kissing a boy, that like, boom, you're pregnant. Pregnancy. So, you You know, she probably already thought she had conceived before there was ever any intercourse because exactly.
1: Exactly. Right. So you're like, Oh, well, okay.
0: So I, I think it's phenomenal. Like you saying that, you know, you, you wanted to be the person that you, wish you had Mm -hmm. that's what i thought like you know and and i I feel like a lot more of our generation has um forced themselves to become comfortable and over time it's just become comfortable but in Mm -hmm. in being the person that their kids can ask questions about because really and truly when we think about the dumb shit that we thought And we found out from our friends who learned dumb shit from their friends, Mm -hmm. it it was cyclical. But you couldn't Mm -hmm. go to your parents and say, you know what, Uh, mom, wants an orgasm? You know, I remember when my daughter said, like, she was thinking about buying a toy and asked me if I would come with her. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, let's go. Let's go. You think me could have ever asked my mama for go to a sex (laughs) shop with me for go buy what? (laughs) Listen to me, miss. You know know I'd have been picking up my teeth off the ground if I even thought to ask a question like that. And it's, that was a
1: reality for so many of us. So many. And it's funny, there's, um, I, I found, by mistake, on purpose, not by, you know, any chance. I'm so glad I found it. There's this shop locally and, you know, you don't find many porn sex shops even around anymore because online sales of things yes. has really taken over brick and mortar. But there's mm-hmm. a store close to me that's been around for 30 years, didn't know, drove past it, was like, hey, I'm gonna go in there. And legit, when I was in there last week buying some goodies for myself, Thank you. I decided, cause I, you know, my youngest has a birthday coming up. She don't even know this. It'll be funny if she hears this episode before her birthday comes, but my, part of my gift is I'm actually going to bring her there. She doesn't I love know that that's coming. What I want to do is normalize this. Yes. Just she knows that I'm in this world. We've had some conversations around pleasure. But what I'm actually going to do is invite her to come with me. Let's go have some lunch. Let's go check out a couple stores. Hey, I want to take you to a store that I just found that I like and start to show and educate her as we go through the store.
0: And I love that because who was doing that for for our kids, Mm -hmm. for our young people, for the next generation? Their first point of contact for anything should be us. You know? and even if you feel embarrassed or even if you feel... Like, I've told the story of when my kids found my found my dildos between the mattress because I thought <laughs> that was a safe place to hide them. And, you know, unbeknownst <laughs> to me, they're playing hide and seek and go shove up themselves between the mattress, find the, find the dildo, and come in with it in hand to ask me, Mom, Mom, why do you have a penis between the mattresses? And, why is here? <laughs> and you know, like, what am I going to say? It's not mine. It's me right. and them. So it's, you right. know... But we we definitely should be the, the go to for our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if, you know, they don't have a parent that they can, that they know that there's someone like you who exists, mm-hmm. who is not going to pass judgment Thank on you. them, who is not going to berate them, who is mm-hmm. going to be understanding and give them a real perspective of life mm-hmm. and the educational perspective as well.
1: Hmm. thank you
0: this is what we have to do
1: right this is what we have to do not only in our our parenting journey but also just in our journey with other humans in this world of parent like i'm working with grown adults who are pregnant and part of and they are having similar responses when they're trying to have conversations with partners about their desire or their lack of desire and how to talk about it so clearly this is an issue that starts pretty young Yes. Of, of, of being challenged to talk about our bodies, our pleasure and what we need. And it doesn't actually ever stop until we take back that control, until we become empowered and really remember that we're worthy of pleasure and that it's our birthright. So therefore, there can't be any shame if you
0: believe that. So in, in, in working with some of the individuals you've, you've worked with, what are, what are the, some, some of the conversations that they've had with you that they say they've never had with anybody else?
1: Mm. <laughs> so, one of them has definitely been that their desire is higher and more than what they're letting their partner know. And oh. there's two different reasons for it. Okay. So, for the person who was more similar to me who had really high desire, and, and I've experienced this myself, and I've been very open in sharing this, um, you know, that. I was hiding it because I felt like I was being too much. And because my husband felt that, you know, he couldn't have the regular sex we were having because it could be harmful to the baby and harmful to me. And and started doing the whole, um, my identity is changing from just the girlfriend to the fiance, to the wife, to now almost mother. And Mm -hmm. Who is tossing up and twisting up and bending up mothers? No, we don't do that to mothers. Like that's that's yes. not the way we treat our wife. Like that's disrespectful. Um, like I can't I can't whore you out. I can't mm-hmm. dig down like that anymore. So he was kind of going through that, realigning what this new identity he believed I had. Now that I'm pregnant and Mm -hmm. for me, I'm also trying to find this new identity. I also was kind of like, Oh wait, can I want what I wanted now that I'm becoming a mom? Is that like wrong? Is too much? Is that, am I, am I being shameful? So I was holding back from him. So that's one example. The other one is holding back the level of desire or, or want, because you're not sure how you're going to feel when you move into doing the acts that you used to do. So maybe you are feeling turned on, maybe you are feeling horny, but then you're worried that, you know, all you really want was to be petted and you don't want penetration and you don't want your partner now to feel disappointed that they're not getting what you would normally put out in that situation. So those are two of, I would say the conversations uh, and reasons for them that I've had in my treatment space There have been so many Because it's like a bartender I'm like a bartender
0: in that <laughs> They just yep.
1: come and they tell me all of it All of it
0: So I know uh, You know from having spoken to a couple of other people um, You know that That is a The first one is a really big one I mean they, they all are but that idea that you can't have a particular type of sex with your soon-to-be, the soon-to-be mother of your child, mm-hmm. because, you know, that's just, you know, I, I can't do- talk dirty to you. I'm not going to call you my little slut or my little whore. Like, you're pregnant. You have you're my child <laughs> growing in you You know, like, mm-hmm. somehow, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you now mm-hmm. got this halo over your head because you're carrying the child, but they forget how the picnic got put in there to begin with. Thank like, you. Sir, how do you think we got here from um, you calling me a dirty little slut and did dirty little whore and dicking me down? Thank you. Thank you. This
1: is the thing that is so amazing, not just in the partnership, but in the world. Even in the healthcare system, like you're going and seeing doctors and whatnot, and they're not talking to you about your sexual health post-baby, yet they were all about your sexual health during the pregnancy. Like, how? when did you conceive? How many weeks are you? This is all about when you, you know, were implanted, however that happened. So why are we now shying away from talking about the very thing? Um, Things like um, names like, you know, we might call somebody Daddy. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it might be your sweet little girl or your good little girl. And now all of a sudden, let's say the couple's having a girl. girl a sudden, and you can't, can't say this now. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But I'm I'm still me. Yes, I'm carrying a baby. And maybe that baby's a girl. But wait, I liked when you called me that. That got me hot. That got yeah. me off. That was part of our, our play. What do you mean I can't call you daddy now because you're going to become a father? Get out of here with that. So <laughs> this is... Uh, but but when you think about it I'm, we're making jokes about it but it is actually a real challenge. It is it's a reality are... for a lot of
0: people. Yeah. Yes.
1: yes. This this like becoming believing that a pregnant woman is asexual now all of a sudden or yes. postpartum it, you're you're asexual. Wait a minute. If if I am asexual I am, that's fine. But if I wasn't that before and I'm not claiming to be, how are you putting that on me?
0: Because exactly.
1: it's in my expanded my roles in life. So our mind, our mind is really key in this one. I just want to highlight this. All arousal starts in the brain. It starts in our brain. So if we're telling ourselves thoughts like I can't be sexual anymore or I can't be a whore, I'm a mother. I'm not a mother whore. I can't be that. Well, (laughs) why not? Why not? Why can't you? Um, If that's what gets you there, why can't you? It doesn't make you less of a parent or responsible or caring or loving or nurturing um, in that way. This is a different part of you. And it's an important part of you and worthy of being nurtured and pruned and
0: primed. Yes. Yes. And those two things are not synonymous. They don't have to be coupled together. Like no. you have an identity as a, as a woman carrying a child or mm-hmm. a person carrying a child, but you have an identity as a sexual individual as well, which yes. is how you got mm-hmm. the child that's resting in your belly and growing in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Because you're pregnant doesn't mean you're not still a sexual being. It just means you're pregnant.
1: Mm-hmm. You're it still very
0: much a sexual being. You're still exactly who you
1: were. And now you're carrying life and however that life came to be there and whatever feelings you might have about that life growing, that doesn't
0: detract from or change who you were before
2: Do you and think what's important
0: been- to you. Do you think that these are things that, like, much like how we didn't have particular conversations, let me, I'll I'll ask it this way. Where do you think those particular ideologies came from where men feel like they can't do certain things with the woman who's carrying their child because it somehow lessens the quality of the woman and you can't do that, what they say, I I can't do that to you because you're pregnant. Like, where do you think that came from or stems from?
1: Comes from. I think there's so many layers to that um, question and and answers. Um, I think that depending on where you are in the world, and I I haven't been all over the world yet, (laughs) Um, that is still my plan. But depending on where you are in the world, I know being in a Western society, being born in a Western society, there's so many different standards that are set for women and women's etiquette and women's behavior and um you never see signs of a woman being expressive sexually aligning with nurturing as a parent or being a mother they Mm. feel separate if you're a mother your only focus and obsession is your baby and the health of your baby and actually they don't you don't even see now we do maybe on social media but back in the day you wouldn't see images of a mother taking care of herself it would be right. always all about the baby even the way family members respond they come over to see you and the baby but they come right to the baby oh sweetie and mm-hmm. not even a hello from mom not even mm-hmm. a, can i get you a drink mom uh you know nothing like that so Women become this thing that just sort of disappears. You're only important while you're carrying the child. Everyone dotes on you while you're carrying the child. You birth the child. And then now your importance is to keep that child alive, but you sort of lose this value. So I think that that is something that comes from a lot of different things that are very uh, male-dominated and uh, created, I think it gets perpetuated in the healthcare system as well, where birth hundreds and hundreds of years ago, you know, becomes uh, very medicalized and very uh, dehumanized. So then, women's bodies are only seen as to carry baby, to deliver baby, and not attached to a whole a womb that's attached to a whole person with emotions. And after the healing has happened, desires. Yes yeah so yeah just to kind of give like a brief response to that i think it's very multi-layered you don't see it in popular popular culture you don't see it written in books you don't see it in the bible you don't you don't see it anywhere so you are void of thinking that those two ideas and identities can happen at the same time motherhood and desire motherhood and sexuality
0: and I love that you said that last part because I'm sitting here thinking about um, Rihanna. Shout out and big up Rihanna! Oh
1: my gosh, I was thinking about she, it right now while I'm saying she you. had
0: her belly mm-hmm. out her whole pregnancy, and yes. and it's funny yes. because I remember yes. thinking to myself like, "Big up yourself because yes, oh. you are you are." Beautiful, you are sexy, you are pregnant You are still who you are And and, mm-hmm. and you're not going to let the fact that Okay, well, you know, you have a belly growing in front of you Stop you from wearing the sexy things that you want to wear And you're mm-hmm. embracing all of that Meanwhile, on the flip side of that I'm, I'm you know, reading comments and, and, you know, the disparaging things that people say Like, oh my god, she's a mother She's going to be a mother Why is her belly always mm-hmm. outside? Doesn't mm-hmm. she know mm-hmm. that she's pregnant? Quite clearly, mm-hmm. she knows she's pregnant And Thank quite you. clearly, she also knows what she's doing And she also mm-hmm. has somebody with her, her partner Who's very supportive of her being who she
1: is Is. like she was that person before she was pregnant and in between pregnancies why she's she's not fenty brand anymore now that she's has a baby in her (laughs) girl lingerie and and all kind of thing. now because she's having a baby no she put on the lingerie she wear the lingerie on the outside on the
0: outside (laughs) to let people know that as as a pregnant woman Mm -hmm. as a pregnant person you are still sexy Mm -hmm. you are still Mm -hmm. visible you're not going to shrink and like her i'm not going to shrink and fade into the background because i'm carrying a child like how does that make sense i am still rihanna robin rihanna fenty i am still here i still have a brand i'm still an icon i am still sexy i am still a woman i am still all of those things yes. but because i have a belly in front of me those things are not changing
1: it's amazing how we were on the same wavelength. So as I was talking about this, you can bring these two images together and that shouldn't be separated. The image in my head was Rihanna. When yes. I was doing you know, some research and was doing some posting on my Instagram, I was p- punching into Google like sexy, pregnant bodies or, you know, sexually, I can't remember what I searched, but every search I put in brought up Rihanna. Yes. And I remember, you know, seeing her at the Super Bowl, which she did the halftime show pregnant and she revealed the second pregnancy i think it was she's mm-hmm. wearing the red the red puffy suit yes and oh my gosh i was recording that and i was loving it and i had posted about it because it was like this is perinatal pleasure this is a perfect representation of embracing celebrating and promoting the sexuality of a pregnant form yes And I feel like she's iconic and a pioneer for leading the charge in this area because we didn't see any images of that when we were pregnant. Absolutely not. I don't even think I've ever seen that. Not in mainstream on such a global scale stage and all of her award shows. No, you do not need to start wearing potato sacks to the Oscars and to the Grammys and to the whatever, because you're pregnant. You Mm -hmm. can wear that form-fitting dress. You can wear that dress that has like mesh and has like the skin. You can see skin. Yes. Oh my gosh. I I love that about her and how much that is, I think going to influence the generations going forward around how they see themselves and how they appreciate themselves during the cycle.
0: I completely agree. And, and, you know, it helps to, Take whatever shame has been placed on being pregnant. Like somehow you're supposed to just shrink into the background until you have the child, and then you can come out of hiding. After, and like you said, even once you come out of hiding, the focus is no longer on you; on you. it's on the baby.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So the you know it, it's like we're we're it, it, uh, what's that that show. Uh, where they have the women, and all the women are are ex- expected to do is just give birth, and 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 that's it. It's 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 like we've been resigned to. Okay, well now you're a vessel, and that's it. That's it. Is it the hen- Is it the Handmaid's Tale? Yes, 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 exactly
1: yes. that, exactly that, and or even you know when when some time ago. I hope this isn't still happening now. If if people are having babies out of wedlock and they're younger, and families will send them away, it's like sending you away to have the baby in yep. secret. Then you
0: can reemerge. It's like, you're not allowed to be seen. You're not allowed to be yourself. And that's the crazy thing is, it's like there's the duality of it, of shame being tied to being pregnant, but then the glory of having the baby. (laughs) Exactly. It's an
1: oxymoron if I ever saw one and it's time to break that. It's completely
0: time to break that absolutely so for for hetero couples specifically Mm -hmm. how can we encourage men to get out of their heads that there's some type of violation with having sex with your pregnant wife your pregnant woman your pregnant girlfriend your your person or just even seeing them as still being sexy and and desirable and attractive what are what is something that you could you know say to an individual um Mm -hmm. to help encourage them to see their woman in the same way that they saw them before they got pregnant
1: hmm. And it's like, I don't know how much, especially on a first time, let's say first time parents, first mm-hmm. time father um, might struggle with. I don't know how to see this person the same way. What I would say is I encourage you to try. Why? You had a connection with this person. You wanted to create life and you have. And it's a beautiful thing. And there will be life after pregnancy as well. Don't waste time losing time not being connected, especially during a time where you actually have more free time. And her body is going through so many hormonal changes that actually create a great prime ground for intimacy and pleasure. Usually a lot more juicy um, orgasms feel can can feel for many pregnant women. So much better, so much more intense. They just need to be in a comfortable position, a position that supports their their body, that they feel good in. There's so much there. It increases intimacy, which you do want during that journey because there are natural stresses that are going to happen when a baby comes in terms of sleepless nights, less time together, more focus on the baby. Take advantage of this time. And listen, you can create your own dynamic that feels good to you. If she still wants you calling her baby girl or whatever it is um, and and she wants to call you whatever daddy this or that, allow her to do that. Go Uh with that. Keep that connection going. Maybe there's new things that you create out of that dynamic. But truthfully, there isn't a safety issue here. It is just in your head. And since we know all arousal starts in the brain, change it. Change it and embrace this. It's a great time to just have fun, explore each other's bodies. This stage doesn't last forever. I have had conversations with many men who were like, at the time, during the journey, they didn't take advantage of what was there because they were in the myths. And now they're like, oh my gosh, my partner was so sexy when they Mm -hmm. were pregnant. I remember what that sex felt like. I remember what her breath felt like. I remember how she smelled different. And man, I miss that. And I'm like, you see? You you let that time pass. That's okay. So learn from past mistakes that others have made and make that adjustment mentally
0: first. Stay open. Absolutely. So let's specifically delve into... Barriers to pleasure Mm -hmm. during pregnancy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, I mean, the top three, one of which
1: we've spoken about before, it's physical changes, hormonal changes and emotional changes are sort of the top three. Changes that are happening in any pregnant person's body. So we've talked about physical, looking at the hormonal changes. And this one, I believe, is an area that people are really, there is no education being promoted. Mm. So after baby comes, uh, one of the the first things we hope to see happen is the production of milk, right? It becomes quite an important part whether you are breastfeeding, bottle feeding, pumping and bottle feeding, you know, using formula, this, whatever, the body will go through this transition where there's an influx of two specific hormones, prolactin and oxytocin. And they're needed. They're needed for the actual creation of creation of milk and delivery of milk. Now, what people don't know is that while prolactin is primarily responsible for the milk production during breastfeeding, it has an inhibitory effect on libido in some women
0: mm-hmm.
1: so those elevated levels of prolactin that is needed can suppress sexual desire and arousal in some women so while a partner is thinking like why are you spending first of all so much time with the baby i understand baby needs to be fed keep in mind 40 yes. plus hours on average it takes to feed a baby 40 plus hours a week it takes to feed a baby so (laughs) it's taking a lot of time but they're like you know why is it that you don't seem to feel like you're healed now it's been six months it's been three months it's been whatever it is you're healed do you just not want me what is it they are exclusively breastfeeding in those first three months that means their levels of prolactin are going to be higher than the person who's mixing with formula Who is not breastfeeding at all And that could be one of the things That are inhibiting their desire Thus impacting Their connection, availability For intimacy and sex Did you know this?
0: Did you know this one? I personally didn't Mm -hmm. not at all like I I knew that it was something hormonal yeah but I just thought okay well I'm tired I'm always with the baby you know and and for me like I exclusively breastfed so it's like you're getting up at all hours and then you know the nursing they encourage you to wake up every two hours to nurse and so it's like I'm in a sleep fog I'm tired I'm grumpy I'm cranky my focus Mm -hmm. is the baby and so I'm not I don't have time to think about you but I never actually considered the, like the is, true hormonal impact
1: the true hormonal so and all the things that you mentioned are all relevant and all are, are also all happening but people should get this information like what if couples got this information there might yes. be a different approach to it another thing that can happen during that time is vaginal dryness some mm-hmm. experience vaginal dry, and it's just because of these fluctuations in hormones so there can be diff uh Discomfort during intercourse, and so now they're like, "Oh my gosh, it hurts! Is it because I'm not healed enough? Uh, maybe I don't like sex anymore. Maybe it has something to do with how my vulva and my vagina stretch out. All this, all these <laughs> again, myth. Yes, yes, guys, the canal stretches; it has to. The cervix opens, it stretches, but it is connective tissue, and it reforms and comes right back. It does not stay gapped and open like some okay. people. Again, myth believe so knowing that is important breast sensitivity sensitivity during the hormonal fluctuations so maybe i can't stand you touching my chest or my breasts because they are sensitive due to the hormones so this is i think an important piece hormonal changes for people to understand that
0: and i okay so i know for me um You know, when you're talking about breast sensitivity. (laughs) So I love breast stimulation. You know, Mm -hmm. that's that's one of, like, my biggest things and will, like, completely tip me over the edge. But I remember thinking to myself, like, the first time I went to nurse, I was like, this feels weird and I, I had difficulty mm-hmm. reconciling and separating the idea of pleasure versus the idea of feeding my child yeah. you know and so it became like a well if I have to choose which I really and truly didn't but mm-hmm. if I have to choose you can't touch my breast because now these belong to the baby right. or consequently you know your partner would be like well I can't touch those because they belong to the baby That's you right. know. It, it, it changes everything
1: it changes everything those two things I'm so glad you highlighted them both those two things you feeling that way and or the partner feeling that way is a very common thing and it's like in truth these breasts belong to the person who holds them <laughs> yes who owns them yes. and they can have the multiple purposes but it starts in the mind we have to as you said reconcile like accept. hmm I noticed that you know Because I also am someone who enjoys breast and nipple stimulation. And so what is this feeling I'm having now? They're hurting because I'm doing this. This doesn't feel pleasurable or, oh, now I've gotten into the groove and this actually feels pleasurable. But wait, that's my baby on there. I don't like this connection of I'm not feeling comfortable. I'm feeling actually pleasure and relief. And this feels good. So talking to someone about that talking to your partner about that being open and honest with yourself about that is great because then you might transition from i've fed you but now i want to be with my partner and i do want them to suck on my breast, and yes milk might come out and that's actually going to be part of our play and that's okay if we're okay with it yeah that's one of the thing.
0: so if i can share a crazy story Please. I remember one of one of the most pleasurable and painful uh, experiences of like, uh, not necessarily nip- nipple stimulation, but having my nipples sucked on uh, after being pregnant while breastfeeding, mm-hmm. I had developed mastitis. Oh, and for yeah. those of you who don't know what mastitis is, it's basically the, your nip- your uh, milk ducts become blocked,
2: mm-hmm. more so
0: like in the upper area closer to your armpit. And when I tell you that shit is painful They're as fuck. Mm-hmm. It can, it sends your body into all kind of frenzy. it can de- develop if yeah. you like. You can you get sick basically. That's
1: it. Fever. In infe- fact, it's an infection. It's an infection right.
0: of the breast tissue. And so I didn't ask my doctor, and I couldn't really mm-hmm. ask my my mother. So I'm talking to friends. They're like, "Oh yeah, just put a warm cloth on it, and just press down and express the milk yourself." And I tried doing that, and when I tell you <laughs> pain, pain on a million, yes. So yes. I remember saying to the father of my kids, "Can you suck milk out of my breast?" And he's like, "What?" And I said to "Uh, him, I can't give it to the baby because it's contaminated. I can't Mm -hmm. pump it and dump it because that hurts. The Mm -hmm. easiest way to have it come out of my body is Mm -hmm. to have it sucked on, but the baby can't suck on it because they're going to ingest it and then they're going to get sick. Mm -hmm. And I'm explaining this to him. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy, but really (laughs) and truly. But once he started to do it, like that mix of pleasure from his Mm. mouth because that's my partner but Mm -hmm. then the combination and this is where my you know the my I don't know my first introduction into BDSM (laughs) might have happened but yes right (laughs) Right, the combination of the pain from the mastitis but the pleasure of his mouth sucking it was a great experience and I feel like that's what took me out of my head Mm -hmm. in in and that's what helped me reconcile that this can I, it's okay to have pleasure with nipple, nipple stimulation and mm-hmm. separate that from feeding my child.
1: This is a, such a great example, such a great example of these two things. And one, the educator in me wants to expand on what you said and actually share some, Please do. some information or, or maybe correct some information. So one thing mm-hmm. that is a misconception around this infection, it is an infection and it does cause, mom to have fever at times cold sweats body aches it's like having a flu yes it's coming from as you said the blocked ducts but the part that is false is that if the baby does nurse that it would make them sick it actually isn't a true infection in that it would make them sick the Shut way to up. resolve so so i don't know what you were told and who told it to you. was it do you remember was it like your actual doctor or was it more people around you were like oh my it was God. people around
0: me they're like okay. oh you can't give the baby that milk it's going to make that them makes, sick the, the that milk. makes and sense actually that i think just... my aunt said it to me i think my yeah, aunt that. was the one but i also know that she's she didn't she doesn't she didn't there wasn't anybody that talked to her it's Talks one of those things her. that you right you hear from somebody but yeah it was it was the people around me that said no you have to dump it and when i tell you i used to produce milk like a cow so like, you, a, like a mm, living mm, one breast yes. alone would be a full eight ounce bottle. bottle. And I'm crying mm-hmm. as I'm dumping the milk down the sink because, because like,
1: this is like why am I doing this? This liquid gold. Yep. So just so that you know, and for other listeners who are maybe in the perinatal cycle, when and if you develop mastitis, the first form of treatment is for the milk to come through the breast. We need to have those blocked ducts unblocked. But that milk is not contaminated, that milk is perfectly fine and the baby can be the one to help. Often they can't pull enough and sometimes if it's too blocked the baby goes on and they get frustrated because they can't get enough milk because it's too blocked. You still might want to use your partner. This might be a part of your play, but you can use the pump, you can use a partner, you can use the baby. That is the actual way to treat it, to pull the milk through the dam that is blocked and then to have that opened up and over time, mom will start to feel better. Often antibiotics are needed to be introduced. Now, if you're on a certain type of medication that there are byproducts from the medication that would go mm-hmm. into the milk, that sometimes is a time where they'll say, please don't nurse because this, but I know that just the milk itself is not contaminated,
0: not yeah. You know, I I, wish, you know how you said you wish you had a you when you were young or when you were pregnant? I wish I had a you when I was pregnant because,
1: (laughs) yeah. And and, you (laughs) know, you still, it's so interesting the body's wisdom and your intuition because you did exactly what was needed to be done to actually resolve the problem. What the best form is to have the milk be pulled out by a mouth that actually creates the best release the warmth yes. of the lips and the inner mouth around the areola yes and the sucking action creates the best letdown response more than a pump yes and definitely easier than than for a baby that has a smaller mouth so you actually spared yourself a lot faster and found something that you could add in your pleasure practice
0: yes which is a gift. <laughs> a and you know gift. what? It didn't even take much. Like he would literally suck, 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 and then release his mouth. And, and it would just spray. Down. Yep. Oh, because it would just. Remember when
1: I said it's like perfect? Yeah. Like, the inner mouth is the most perfect because there's sensory receptors all around that areola. Yes. There's oil ducts. There's, there's, oil, sorry, there's like all these different pieces to the anatomy and physiology that make it work. And the mouth is the best way which is probably why it feels so good for most of us who enjoy it to have a mouth on our areola and on our nipple. Yes. Anytime, because it's the perfect communication.
0: So I know that you have said in one of your barriers to pleasure. I wanted to touch on this one specifically: the emotional yes. changes that take place. Can you talk a little bit more about how, not just the emotional one, but how the physical and hormonal, outside of the, you know vaginal dryness, how they impact um, sexual mm-hmm. intimacy, and um, if you can maybe give some non-sexual intimacy, intimacy strategies mm-hmm. to helping couples stay connected. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so we're, we're not talking about emotional changes right now. We're just talking about uh, uh, some of the exploring some non-sexual intimacy right now. Is that yes. what you said? Yes. yes. So um, as I've said before, intimacy and intercourse or sex are not the same thing. And something as far as non-sexual ways of being connected, just think back to what you used to do. Did you like to put on music and slow dance? Did you like to just hang out, watch a movie? Maybe you're like, you know, you play video games. Whatever it is that you used to do. Date nights. People think that because they have had a baby, especially if they're young and maybe they're not leaving the home, that they can't do anything. That is so untrue. I will coach uh, partners, couples, whatever. Make a picnic in your living room. Spread down a blanket, put some comfy cushions, things that feel good and are soft, and break out some food. Have something that you enjoy and just spend some time together. Baby might be sleeping in a bassinet just steps away. Baby might be in another room altogether. Don't stop having the sex that you want or can access just because a baby is sleeping in your room or sleeping in your bed. You know, yep. sometimes people realize, they, they forget that they can just be close. They can be connected. Having a nap together
0: is um. one
1: of the best things to do when you are both exhausted. And especially the one who birthed is extremely exhausted. Just being cuddled up, intertwined and sleeping. Yes. Breathe, breathing each other. Can we just like be close and just let me breathe you in? Let me smell you playing with scents for that purpose whether it's a scent that you like on your body or something you want to smell on them, your partner these are all creative things, you know that you can do and you don't need to try too hard and of course my top one, I would be remiss if I didn't share this one is nurturing touch nurturing touch slash massage yes, touch each other get some oil out, sit down Maybe you're sitting like foot to foot, you know, your, your legs are kind of over top of one another and you can reach mm-hmm. each other foot, do simultaneous foot massage on each other. Maybe you take turns. What part of your body would you like me to massage? And someone says my back. Okay, let's get comfortable on the bed. Let me get out my oils and let me massage your back for five minutes. Now we're going to switch. What do you want t- treated? Or maybe you just, one night it's about one partner and another time it's about another part, the other partner. These are wonderful ways that are non-sexual that build intimacy and can lead into something more sexual if that's what either of you wants
0: so helping people to understand that staying connected emotionally it doesn't have to be the grand sexual gesture where you're getting your back blown out that intimacy more than than the sex itself is what's mm-hmm. most important mm-hmm. to keep you connected and to foster, hopefully foster. And even if it doesn't foster the sexual feelings or like that, that big bang kind of feeling, it creates a different level of intimacy where you stay emotionally connected to your person.
1: Absolutely. And can I add one piece of advice here? Absolutely. Um, I've been doing some postpartum uh, sexuality talks all through the fall and the top, the top, uh feedback that i received from my participants on what they really desired to feel connected and intimate with their partner what turned them the fuck on about their partner was when their partner took something off their plate in terms of their responsibilities that gave them more time to themselves without them having to ask so Mm -hmm. one woman described like you know A husband travels for business, is away, comes back, is very helpful in general, but often says like, babe, what can I help with? Okay, babe, what can I do? And there's nothing wrong with that. Kudos to that that person. We appreciate you for communicating and asking if you don't know. But she said there was this one day that she had gone upstairs to take care of the baby. And when she came downstairs before he had gone to work, he had done the remaining dishes in the sink. He had wiped down the counter and, like, swept the kitchen. So when she came down, those were things she would normally have done, for example, um, when coming back downstairs. And he was gone to work. She was filled with so much desire. She a oh. message. They sent, like, a few messages back and forth, did their little sexting. And then when he came home, it was on and popping. And he's thinking, What? like i didn't have to buy you flowers i didn't have to like i didn't even have to massage you i literally just needed to pick up and do something mm-hmm. for the family not even yep. just for her for the family and it took a chore off her list and that'd be that like
0: was... Bay, you wash the dishes for me when you get home i'm gonna suck your dick like there you
1: go let's do the trade-off and let's make it real
0: yes <laughs> This yes. is currency,
1: people. This is currency. I hope people are listening to this episode and taking this in that sometimes it's in the little things.
0: Yes. And and that's what it is. It, it doesn't always have to be a grandiose gesture. Sometimes it's the little... Because I think that people forget or they feel like, okay, well, you're at home. Like, you're at home all day. Mm-hmm. How are you tired? You're at home all day. You shouldn't have a problem doing all the household chores. Listen to me. For those of us who have babies, who have <laughs> multiple babies that are within, like, the young... It's tiring, it's tired. as much as you think that we're home cocking up our foot and eating bonbons all afternoon while the kids are, you know what I mean? They, they've been bathed, they've been fed and they're sleeping like little angels. In their, it's not like that. It's not no. like that at all. There are that days where you the, the you just want to crawl into bed once your person gets home because you're tired from doing all the things that you have to do over the course of the day and the lack of sleep that you get. It's not like most babies are not sleeping for six to eight hours. Most babies are waking up every couple of hours.
1: That's it. you know
0: how disruptive to your sleep that is? I'm still suffering from uh, insomnia from 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 decades That's of that. I wake up every right? couple of hours.
1: That's right. And 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 very light sleeper because yes. there's that thing that happens just hormonally where, you know, couples will tell me if they're hetero couples, they'll say to me like, "Why is it that anytime this little baby makes a sound, this man no way wake up?" And I mm-hmm. wake up every time. It's actually chemically a thing that happens. The person yes. who's carried often takes on this thing where they become a light sleeper. It's harder for them to wake up. It's actually a survival mechanism because often with people co-sleep, it's a way to not roll over and suffocate yes. your baby. To hear them, to know where they are. To It's just one of those things. But it's hard to break that. It's very hard to break that. So it's, it's important to know that little things can make a very big difference if you are supporting your partner through their transition, their energy um, deficits, you could be getting a lot more energy back in the form Absolutely. of intimacy
0: <laughs> and the better sex. Michelle Francis Smith, sex educator and pa- certified registered RMT, is that yes, is yes, registered massage 20, therapist, twenty-two
1: years at this point.
0: Okay, and perinatal pleasure and intimacy coach dropping words of wisdom and helping us to break down those barriers during uh, pregnancy, post and part of pre and post pregnancy. Um, and, and ways in which to stay connected with your partner. Michelle, thank you so much for having yet an amazing, another amazing conversation um, and, and helping people to learn a different oh, way you. of living and a different way of existing and a different way of embracing. Can you please again, tell people who you are, how they can find you, how they can book services or sessions with you. What is the best way to get in contact with you?
1: Perfect. Michelle Francis Smith here, sex educator and perinatal pleasure intimacy coach. You can find me at perinatal pleasure coach on Instagram. Please reach out. Let's talk. Let's increase that pleasure because you are always worthy of pleasure.
0: And on that note, Pum Pum Pase, bless up yourselves. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, You know, like I said earlier, the days are getting shorter. The darkness is overwhelming. Please, please, please remember to practice your self-love, self-care. Take time and be kind to yourself and be good to others around you. We will talk to you soon. Peace.
2: tell me all your names baby tell me all your names i need to know then i'll tell you mine baby then i'll tell you mine and we can go to pass the time shift paradigms align our bodies with the sky till i am yours and you are mine i will do anything for you yeah i will do anything for you baby just say Sense, God, cannot resist, no. I could feel the urge to drop defense at my expense. Allow my body to ascend along with yours, that love commence. Close my eyes and raise my matter. Swing my hips as if they bear the rings of mama Saturn. Stretch my foot bright so we can climb. A ladder, like a ladder And step into our world. Close my eyes, embrace my matter Swing my hips as if they bear the rings of Mama Saturn Stretch my vertebrae so we can climb it Like a ladder, like a ladder. And step into our world No, we do not exist in we I try to reminisce so, I try to reminisce so I can feel, so I can sell Through parallels so I can leave And then resurface on a diet that's blue and pale If we can let the scene flow, take care of our needs all oh, we can let our leaves grow, feed it to the people Then we as a people, shake about by ego That's where love evolves into unknowns And infinites, we never thought it'd go Close my eyes, embrace my matter Swing my hips as if they bear the rings of mama Saturn Stretch my foot so we can climb it like a ladder. And step into our world. Close my eyes and embrace my matter. Swing my hips as if they bear the rings of Mama Saturn. Stretch my foot so we can climb it like a ladder.